All right, welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Realm, talking all things MMA, UFC, Bellator, Risen, talk a little boxing this week. Should be fun all around. I'm your host, Sniper MMA. With me for a second time down there is our guy at RBQs and our special guest this week from Daily Fan MMA, probably, I, I want to say one of the OGs of MMA DFS, but probably the OG at this point of daily fantasy mma so of course you got you know a guy i know is brett apley uh brett thanks for hopping on uh should be fun yeah man it's it's always good to talk to you i mean you're one of the ogs yourself i feel like but there's there's definitely a large group of us who've been in this game for a long time and you know it's it's fun to talk dfs every week but now we got some general general concepts and fight recaps so yeah looking forward to change of pace and chatting up with you guys today yeah, that's exactly what me, me and Q's and, and Mike last week were talking about. It's just, it's nice to do something different than the breakdown and the strategy. And the, let's just, you know, we're all, I think, at the heart of it, MMA fans. And I, I can't wait to just talk about everything in general. The, the, we, got, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. But I guess first, because I know, you know, I know my exposures. I just can't wait to, when we get to it, ask RBQ's how much Chase Hooper he played. I just, I just, I just can't wait for it. <laughs> um, if you get a chance before we get into that and all the other good stuff, guys, please please subscribe here on YouTube or iTunes podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, podcast is the Shadow Realm. It's on my YouTube channel, which is Sniper MMA. Appreciate all that. Not going to spend too much time promoing, but any of that would be appreciated. I, unfortunately, we have to start with um, what was a gnarly scene. Uh, last night, and the year of injuries in the main event continue. Like another freak injury ending a main event. Uh, Calvin Cater c- clearly blew his knee out at the end of the first round. I was surprised he was walking as decently as he was. Um, and then Allen throws a leg kick to the opposite leg, and Cater tries to post back on it to check the kick. And I don't know if you guys saw the reverse angle. I just saw it today for the first time. You see it pop again. Like, like it's it's if that's not an an ACL or MCL, I don't know what is. Like it 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 looked really bad. So prayers to Calvin Cater. I guess what's hard for me though is I feel like I learned nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because I picked I picked Calvin Cater, and everyone's saying, well, Alan won the first round clearly. Yada yada yada, you know that's that, that's how that was going to go. I'm like, no, even those of us who pick Cater, it's exactly. I mean, I admit, Allen was probably going to look good early, and I thought as the rounds went, you know, as you know, Allen didn't look great against Yusuf in the third round. He's going to have to get extended, and Cater always picks it up. And I just thought there'd be a slight volume edge. I mean, I think, uh, you know, in, in my breakdown, I had Cater winning like I was picking him to win a close decision, 48-47. So it was going to be a tight fight. Not only do we not learn about the fight, and I feel rather to the fight, it holds up featherweight, which is a really good division. So a lot to kind of compact. Those are kind of just my thoughts, and I don't know what we're going to do with featherweight right now. Uh, Brett, I'll start with you. You got any thoughts on the main event? And just in general, what, what are we going to do with featherweight? Because I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's so devastating to see guys go down with knee injuries, especially. Like, it's hard. As someone who watches, like, thousands and thousands of fights, I'm definitely um, – I definitely like don't 
react to the blood and guts of, of fights that often anymore. Like, you know, my wife will come in the room. Someone's like pouring blood out of their eyebrows. Like, oh my God, what, you know, what a scene. I'm like, nah, he's fine. But when I see guys injured specifically to their knees, it just makes me so sad and uncomfortable. Like, you know, I've been in training rooms where guys have torn their knees. My roommate in college had like three different surgeries on his knees. And then to see my, you know, my friend Nick, like have, an issue a couple weeks ago and then you see Hawes pop his knee and then you see Cater pop his knee like like these they're, they're six to nine month recovery times and potentially career altering injuries so that that makes me really really sad like um it's really unfortunate and and whether it happened in the main main event or not I guess doesn't really matter but yeah we've seen a, a number of main events it feels like be impacted with knee injuries so just really sad for Cater. As far as what to take away, I thought Allen looked good in the first round. And I mean, I'm willing to believe it's possible Allen would have just looked good every single round, two, three, four, and five, and won that fight cleanly. But I also, you can't really project it that way. I still think it's very possible that the experience, the cardio, the volume, et cetera, of Cater would have made that fight competitive. So it's just unfortunate. I, you know, I, I, my opinion doesn't really change. My opinion doesn't really change on, on either side of that matchup post fight. And as far as the featherweight division, um, well, Volkanovsky's kind of, I think, holding it up himself to be quite honest, because he's looking like he's moving up to lightweight, going to challenge Makachev. So we got Emmett, we got Allen, and we got what? Yair Rodriguez. There might be another one too, um, of guys who might, fit in for the interim belt so i expect that's what what's going to happen and i don't particularly care who's in it to be quite honest they're all decent fighters i don't think either of them are necessarily like championship level but like yeah i'd be down with a josh emmett versus arnold allen fight that that would you know give allen another main event opportunity would be a, a fun matchup at the least so i think that's probably what they'll do at featherweight yeah plus you got if you do yair against um Against Allen, the guys who won by quote unquote fluke injuries. But I have I have big. Somebody was telling me, oh, and we lost on the main event, just like we lost, you know, um, Ortega and, and Yair. I'm like, wait, d different situation here. If you're in an armbar, the worst possible thing you can do is try and yank your shit out of it. Like to to me, that was less fluky than some of the other ones we've seen. But I, I do like that fight. I, just, I don't know. I feel like there's no – there's a lot of really good fighters, and Volkanovski's just so much better. Like, I don't know. I feel like Featherweight's in a weird, weird spot. Cuse, what do you think of the main event and, I guess, Featherweight in general? Just bummed out for Cater at 35 years old. I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know what he looks like when he comes back. And the hospital. Like, Sorry. What's that? The He's going to the hospital. That's, you know, he's I, got a I, long road ahead of him. Yeah, obviously, and – between that and the Emmett decision, a fight that I don't know, you can argue for both sides, I guess. I personally thought Cater won the fight, but just been a rough paper route for him as of late. And I was so excited for this fight because one thought that keeps popping up for me is the fact that we can't account for some of these younger fighters in the way they improve their overall game fight to fight. And I was really excited to see how Arnold Allen would hold up over five rounds. I was excited to see how he would pace himself out. I was excited to see if our analysis of the fight overall would hold. 
and I was really impressed with him and he's a guy that I keep underestimating in general. So it's frustrating to have some of these fights in what has kind of been in many ways like a diabolical year. Some of the stuff that has gone down, regardless of where you're at from a betting perspective, um, the injuries themselves, obviously, I think back to the Aspinall Blades fight as like, you know, that comes up for me after watching this. Yep. I mean, it's it's just frustrating uh, as a fan um, that that we didn't get to learn anything about these fighters um, but more than anything frustrating for Calvin. And as far as the division goes, like who can say anything about I me? Mean, Volkanovski, Volkanovski at the top there, it's just like the whole thing's in jeopardy. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, some of these mat, uh, matchups that they're going to have to make with these guys are just going to be kind of un, un, unexciting for the average fan. But for those of us in the throes of the betting and DFS world, we'll always be able to get a kick out of them. So, yeah, I mean, just a just just a shitty way to end it overall. Sorry if you're gonna have to put a uh, you know curse advisory on it now. Oh no, I'm definitely not doing that <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, next thing really I wanted to hit on is kind of the theme of last night. I'm not gonna go fight by fight because God, this card was not is not great overall. But a theme was the judging. We saw some not good judging across the board. But I can make cases. It's weird. So let's let's, let's back up. The really, I think, egregious one was Jacoby and Roundtree. I, I don't, I don't understand how Roundtree got round one in the judges' card. So basically, Roundtree won round three on every judges' card, and he got round one on one judges' card and round two on another. I know I had both rounds one and two for Jacoby. Round one to me more like the volume seemed crazy and it became volume versus damage. It's weird that everybody had seemed to have 29, 28 um, Jacoby. I mean, I, I liked Roundtree as a dog on DFS, but in DFS, but once we got out of the first round, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Like, I, I took my shot for the KO, didn't pan out. I stole a wonky decision, but I, I don't know. I, I felt like I, that one felt really really bad. I guess I'll start there before we get to the other one, which I'm going to make a case for one where people, where the right person won as in most people, but I don't think it's as as controversial as you would think. So let's start with Jacoby and, um, and Roundtree. Q, did you have, did you have that fight at all in any way for Roundtree? Well, you know, what can I say that is noteworthy that you haven't heard already? I mean, like, I, I haven't yeah. talked to anybody yet who thought that Roundtree won the fight. Um, but it comes up for me that, you know, we are watching this fight from a different perspective. We are not ourselves 100% experts in how these judges are supposed to score rounds. And so, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm just getting in the habit of being very, very critical of them when it's really difficult to put myself in their shoes, despite the fact that, yeah, it throws off, it throws into motion so many disruptive elements, not the least of which is our DraftKings outcomes when, you know, you can't, do anything. Yeah. You, you can't do anything with, with any lineup that contains that fight after that, because Roundtree scores nothing and Jacoby would have had like an 80 competitive 80 or something like that. As far as um, I thought Roundtree clearly won round three. Um, right. Can we, are we all in agreement on that? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so, to me, so, so, round so, one was more clear than round three, but what, what do I know? 
I thought he was really nailing him there. Um, he was landing what appeared to me the more damaging shots, even if not as many. And so it was at that moment that I, I started, I started to think, oh man, are they going to screw this guy somehow? Because once you see that, you know, uh, there were enough dicey moments in other parts of the fight that you're you're just conditioned now to expect this sort of thing. You're conditioned to expect an outcome that throws you for a loop. Um, yeah, I and mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But with that condition, I, I, I bet Tim. I bet Tim means with 20 seconds left to go in the fight. I put like 10 bucks on him. It was like plus. I have some dumb seven eight hundred. I'm like, no, no, I can make a case here, and I got the split. It, it didn't. It didn't split. work. But I'm conditioned. Like I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen mm-hmm. or what could happen. Yeah. Brett, thoughts on Jacoby Roundtree? Yeah, I mean, I thought Jacoby won the first couple rounds pretty cleanly, and I thought Roundtree won the third pretty cleanly. I'm just – I'm so used to judges not scoring fights accurately, and I've been on the the humans shouldn't be judging fights at all train for years at this point. I just – there's so many innate biases that go into judging, and – I think the scoring criteria is so messed up. Like, like there, there's absolutely nothing you can do to convince me that like the actual scoring criteria is damage. Like judges do not score fights based on damage because there's no way to know how much damage fighters are taking. It's all subjective. Yeah. The the how judges score fights. The only the only thing judges do to score fights is they judge a fight based on how it looked. That's why whenever you hear someone explain a fight like you just did, someone it, it looked like someone was was landing with more damage. It's everything is optics. So when you have a fighter like Roundtree who's swinging like a maniac in round 1 and missing most of the time, but he you know, he's landing a little bit here or there, it looks good. It still looks good. So like op, like if I was in the corner of a fighter and you know like and, and I could really train them like I would train them in a way to fight that's like so optic dependent versus like maybe actually winning the fight from a realistic standpoint if that makes sense like you just want to do things that please the judges like Aspen Lad the, the shrieking she does the Shukagan thing yelling those things are good for judges like having people cheer whenever you throw a punch that's good for judging throwing hard whether like throwing hard and missing is better than like throwing a very small amount of time and landing because because it, it just it looks like you're doing things so i wasn't the least bit surprised that uh one or two judges gave the fight to round to round tree i thought jacoby deserved the fight or deserved the win and like from my analysis moving forward you know i don't look at this fight and be like dang well roundtree was able to beat jacoby i guess that changes my opinion of jacoby it doesn't really matter like jacoby is a very technical striker he throws a lot of volume he's consistent and like he was in this fight and he's going to be moving forward you just have to know that there's a lot of variance in striking exchanges and that's why when you project a fight to be a somewhat competitive know range kickboxing affair maybe that's why i don't end up betting jacoby at minus 170 because even if he gets the fight he wants and wins it which we thought he did for the most part the judges just might not see it that way like there's just so much variance in those specific type of fights that it's just unfortunate and i do think database judging especially if you can factor in like the power that strikes were thrown at which i do think we'll get to that point 
I think that's going to be a far better way to judge fights than having random humans do it. But it is what it is. I thought Jacoby deserved the win, but Roundtree looked good, um, and he's been improving throughout the past couple of years. So I was I was happy to see, um, like even round three. I don't think any of us expected him to be that competitive in round three, and he went out there and looked very good. So I you know props to him as well. All right, so I'll I'll hit on the Means Griffin fight. I can make a case. And why I made that small bet on Tim Means. Look, round round one, pretty clear Max Griffin. I don't have any, I can't, I can't justify round one in any way. Round two, Tim Means won the entire round until he got and it, and it was close. I think it was pretty clear Tim Means won the round, though, but it was a close round until he got hurt bad on the feet. The issue with that, and I've been in these plays, you know, I've been live, judges aren't looking at replays or anything, is that he kind of fell into an awkward takedown afterward. And they got reversed, and Griffin ended up on top for a little bit of control time right at the horn. If the judge doesn't see that as as means being as hurt as we all saw on TV and on the replay, well then, okay, Griffin got a late takedown, ended up on top for like 30 seconds at the end of the round. Is that enough to negate all the work that, that means dead? Probably not. I think if means... It was a regular shot. It wasn't as hurt and kind of fell into it. I still think you score that round for Means. Griffin should have won the round because the damage he did do. I'm tight. I'm just talking what I know cage side people miss. We've seen miss all the time. He fell awkwardly into a takedown. I'm like, they didn't see that being hurt. That's Means' round, sure. Probably 2-0. Should be 2-0. Maybe 1-1 on some places if we get some ineptitude. And then I start seeing round three. And round three, this is the debate we've had more and more weeks and weeks and weeks is what is a takedown worth? What is top control with? Because Max Griffin got takedown after takedown and legitimately didn't do anything with them. You can say Griffin was throwing from the bottom. He was landing more, a couple sub attempts. And then at the very end of the round, Griffin gets, I mean, uh, Means gets two takedowns. He's on top. And I'm like, okay, I actually, I, I scored round three for Tim Means straight up. I'm like, I think Tim Means won the round. Griffin, that's using this criteria as I'm trying to adapt to learn to it, I think Means won the round. Like I, I, he, he did more, he did more damage on the feet. He was the more active grappler. Griffin looked like he was stalling. Close round, I'll give it to Timmy. And then I see the number with plus seven hundred. I'm like, I'll throw ten dollars at this. I just, you know, I'm, I'm on tilt from, from Jacoby Roundtree. Sure, maybe I'll, I'll, let me try and get seventy bucks of that back. Didn't, didn't work out. But they start reading split. I'm, like, I'm not surprised. I'm not. I had the whole. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Nate Diaz, mean, mean, queued up, ready to fire, and the last judge was 30-27. I'm like, ah, shit. All right, fine. So was um, your was your was your bet more from the perspective that even that you might have thought that Griffin won the fight, but you were expecting it could go either way. That was I was expecting that Griffin to get screwed. My card was 29-28 Griffin, and 30-27 Griffin was totally plausible. Round three, complete. I'm just. Going off of the criteria I picked up, but I was expecting. I'm like, they're gonna miss this, the, how bad he was hurt in round two. This is, you know, what was it? Plus, I, I, the implied odds top of the top of my head isn't what I'm great at. Like, like 12 percent chance he won the fight. I'm like, there's more of a chance these people fuck this up than 12 percent. Yeah, Way the, the, live, the live odds at the close of the fight, from what I recall, were really, really. I feel like Griffin was minus. 1400 or something like that yeah it? i think i think when i it was like minus 1200 and plus 700 okay. yeah yeah and i was yeah. like okay no worth me, a stab you know, for sure. ten dollars the full unit and i'm not don't mean to you know for me to to 
10 boxes is is a tenth of a unit. I was like, okay, sure. Let me fire this in. And I'm looking at my dead-ass DraftKings lineups. I'm like, because at that point, Chase Hooper had been knocked out. I'm like, oh, I got, I need, need something to do here. So, yes, my, my bet was I think they're going to fuck Max Griffin hard. I feel like I might be on an island, but I had that very same thought. And certainly the judges showed they disagreed, but the Acosta Vandera fight, I wouldn't have been shocked if they read it for Vandera, like just with all the calf kick damage. Um, so I was surprised that it was unanimous. But here's the thing. He was grunting and yelling at Vandera. So to Brett's point, clearly. And dancing. Because he was screaming and dancing, he won the fight. Clearly. Well, I, I like that's kind of the point that I wanted to make. Like, I thought the Vandera Acosta fight was pretty dang competitive, especially because I think that Vandera actually landed more damage. Like those, like the leg kicks are far more damaging than like a jab. Like just as an example, but like, and I say this jokingly and sarcastically, but like Vandera's nose was bleeding. And, like, judges freak out about that stuff, especially when you have a guy with such bravado as Acosta who's marching forward, throwing wild shots, swinging and missing, but you got a little bit of blood, and all Van Der is doing on the other side was leg kick. So that's one that I thought was pretty competitive, but I was like, there's there's zero chance in hell that he's getting this decision just on the way that the, – the optics of the way that Acosta's fighting. Yep. All right, so what I want to do from here is kind of just – those are the main points I want to hit up for this card. We'll kind of just go around miscellaneous and 63 recap thoughts. Anything we missed, and I'll let Hughes do his Chase Hooper rant because I know he's got one. Because um, as heavily as exposed as I was, and I was up near 60%, I know I know we had more, which at the stand you're taking, DFS. Um Trayshawn Gore didn't know he could grapple like that. Good on him for improving. It's something to look when he when he jumped to get his hooks and like that's not textbook, but you're grappling, so that's good. Um, uh, the other thing, oh, I gotta, I gotta, have to, I need to stop um, undervaluing Cody Durden. Mistake. I mean, I had a little bit of him. I didn't fade him or anything, and I thought he was live, but I, I, I'm not so sure that that's an indictment of Carlos Mota as a prospect as. We need to remember that Cody Durden has skills. And I think just some of the crazy fights he's been in, I tend to forget that. He's he's a solid fighter. And um, at some point, I'm not sure I like these – like the Joshua Weems, Christi, uh, Christian Rodriguez. I know we needed fights, but we got, we're getting a lot of squash matches recently that I'm just – I'm not enjoying. And they're not – I mean, DFS aside, I just – do we really need to see Christian Rodriguez and Joshua Weems this week? Like, it just – I, I don't know. I, and we've had a few of those just rollovers. Mike Rodriguez, I mean, not Mike Rodriguez. Mike Jackson is the one that pops in my head immediately, but that's a whole different scenario. But there's a lot of short notice stuff that I kind of want to get away from. Um, Brett, last few thoughts for UFC Vegas 63. Yeah, I mean, one fight that I was disappointed in was was Arlovsky-Delima because I thought Arlovsky was pretty live there and I was disappointed more in just the way that he lost like I get it yeah if you just get KO'd by a, a, an early finisher so be it but like he was dropped by a punch to the chest first of all and then when he was on the ground he's like kind of pivoted into the choke and then quick tapped so like I'm just not totally sure what to do with Arlovsky. I feel like he ruins so many DraftKings slates. If I'm betting against him, he's always 
winning a damn decision, even when it's like Jake Collier and he clearly lost the fight. And then when I'm like, all right, now he has a chance against an early finisher or bust, he goes belly down from a, a punch to his sternum and then, and then quick tap. So that was disappointing. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll let Q's talk about Hooper if he wants, but that that's a guy who needs a lot of prospect work. And, and your point about Durden and Moda, I think it's a little bit of both. I thought, yeah, I thought Durden fought reasonably well. Moda looked like he absolutely thousand percent did not belong in the octagon and um, would be doing everything I could to short that guy's stock in the long run. So it was, it, it wasn't a great slate of fights coming in. I think we all knew that. And it, it sort of played out in that fashion with a, you know, a lot of questionable performances and um, you know, some good ones, some guys came through, but yeah, I felt, I felt sort of disappointed in a lot of, in a lot of the the talent that I saw from top to bottom. Q's wrap up Vegas 63 in your end. Um, piggybacking Brett off what you were saying there. Um, a lot of times the last show that I listen to before I build my lineups is, the daily fan MMA pod. Um, there was, there were a couple times where you mentioned lack of data. And I think that that might've played itself out in the Josh Fram, Trishan Gore fight. Maybe I don't. Um, uh, and also with the uh, Durden Mota, Mota fight, like there was enough information out there maybe to suggest that Durden could pull off. Like, did we know that Mota could, it would, were we to assume he was going to go out there and like aggressively stuff takedowns and just play with Durden on the feet? I, I I don't know. I mean, when he it when he started controlling that fight, I wasn't in the least bit um, shocked. But I know there were a lot of people talking confidently about Mota out there to the point where I said, I mean, how do we know that for sure? So that was kind of my reaction there. And then Sniper, you know, um, Friday afternoon, I was like kind of nerding out and clipping fights from Steve Garcia's fights and Chase Hooper's last couple fights and like sending him into one of our chats saying, look at this. Like, I, I don't know if Hooper's ready for this, for like an, the early blitz. You know, I feel like Garcia is going to come right at him. Do you think he's ready for it? And yet I still played no shares of Garcia. So, you know, sometimes the information's right there in the palm of your hands. Um, you know, and I know a lot of sharp folks who were all over Garcia. So, you know, um, overall, other than the Roundtree decision and the unfortunate occur, uh, uh, injury with Calvin Cater, the card goes down for me as one that did not have a ton of surprises for me. Um, the Christian Rodriguez fight was a yawner, you know, at no point that even if we Weems came out early and looked like he could hang on, you sort of knew that the clock was ticking there. And something stupid was going to happen. Either he's going to get clipped, or and he fell into that choke. Like you know, like, oh, that's it. He's done. I could have done without that fight, but that's clearly the UFC filling out the card to eleven fight. It got had gotten down to nine, you know, which is pretty, pretty thin. So, yeah, my overall take: not no major surprises and an unfortunate ending yet again. I'm I'm ready for 2022 to wrap up very shortly here. All right, not the biggest fight we had of the night. The biggest fight we had. I'm going to shift over. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva. Um, look, so the, the scorecards, the scorecards, I mean, we have to go back to scorecards, unfortunately, because I don't understand these ones. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull them up here. 
like maybe a little bit small. That's what I got. That's what I got to, to work with right now. But basically, it's it's 78, 73 twice, and 77, 74. And you know, it's basically it's six rounds, six rounds to two plus a knockdown. Um, seem wide to me. I, I personally had it four four, and then the 10, eight in boxing for the knockdown at round, you know, had a thing that makes it 76, 75 was uh, my card. I was expecting Jake Paul to get the decision. And for me, I think I had rounds two, three, four, and five, all for Anderson Silva. And, and you look here in four, especially I'm trying to, I wanted to go through everybody did score round five rounds, two and five were the clearest for Silva. Everybody got those right. I don't know. I just thought it should have been a little bit closer, but overall, I guess. So point one, I don't get the scorecards, but it doesn't really matter because the right guy won. <laughs> I was impressed with Jake Paul in terms of toughness and the cardio held up a little better than we saw against Tyron Woodley. But I was kind of sad. I, I didn't think Anderson Silva looked anything like the Anderson Silva I knew. I mean, he's 47 years old. He he looked slow. Like That's just not the footwork I saw. And it's, you know... It, it, I was entertained by it though, which I did not expect. I was actually entertained. Now I didn't I didn't pay for it and I watched it come at me, Jake Paul. There's no like but but it was fine. It was a fine experience. Um and it's the most I can do for it. Um I'm not even gonna not even gonna be its own section. I'll just say as an aside before I pass it to you guys, um Uriah Hall, fucking stay in boxing. That's exactly what I remember from from Uriah Hall. Just did not throw at all. It was wild that he carried Levy and Bell four rounds. Um, Brett, what did you think of of Silva Paul? Um, I was a little bit surprised that that Jake won the fight as clearly as he did. I have bet on Jake against both <laughs> against Woodley both times and against Askren. Like I respect him as a boxer, and I think most of the opponents he's fa- like Woodley just doesn't know how to box. Neither does Askren. Like I've been, especially on the Woodley side, fading that guy professionally for half a decade. Um, been great, hasn't it? Been really it has, great. It has been great. Anderson looked really good in his last boxing match, and I respect the boxing skills of Anderson far more than I respect the boxing skills of Woodley or Ben Askren, and especially at like plus 225 or whatever I was getting, I thought that was a pretty good play. Watching the fight, I thought, you know, five to three, six to two was a fair score for Jake. The problem with with Silva was that he won two rounds very clearly, and you could make a case for for Jake winning every other round because Silva just wasn't active enough. Every time that Silva like came forward and threw volume – he was having success, and that's what he did in the rounds that he won. But like, he didn't throw a punch in the first round, and there was a threw few one. rounds. Threw one. He threw one. There you go. And it landed. It was, it was the big overhand right round one. I was like, "Oh no, we're gonna get Anderson Silva and Damian Maya. This is bad. This is bad." Yeah, and it, it just in the in the the latter half of the fight, he just didn't throw enough. So it's like when you have one guy throwing, like Jake's not like an A plus boxer, but he was trying really hard. He's in amazing shape, and he is technical enough. Um, he's throwing more volume than Silva, and that's kind of all that mattered. So Silva is nearly 50 years old. 
he he looked closer to 50 than a fighter who's in the prime of his career so um definitely an advantage to to jake there and you know so i expected some of that i just and i think that if silva threw through more volume he would have been competitive in more rounds he just didn't and that's sometimes what you have to expect a from him and be in boxing and um, see from fighters who are almost 50 years old. So I, I, I saw that Jake opened up as like some crazy favorite against Nate Diaz. Well, I was going to get to that. that. Jake Paul's incredibly smart. After the fight, he calls out, he calls out Nate Diaz. And, and I'm like, dude, that guy. So cruiser weights 205 guys, 205 pounds. Jake Paul's a big athlete. Fucking Nate Diaz at 170 looks fat and out of shape to me. Like he's a 155er. He's calling out guys 50 pounds lighter than him. Yeah, I guess that's a good point because I didn't really think about that. Like just because out of Jake doesn't look that big to me, but I feel like Nate's got to be a way better boxer, and Nate is definitely going to throw volume. So I, I would be. I mean, I don't really care to see the fight one way or the other, but it's not like I think that Jake would easily beat Nate because he's bigger. But maybe that maybe that does play uh, an important important role i want to see canelo i want to see canelo eat jake's lunch nice. but we're gonna get uriah hall called out jake too and i'm like oh, he's that's gonna do no that. one wants to see that no one wants yeah to see that. the pro the problem is jake paul's like oh shit i can win that one i can stick that in dana white's face like i i think i kind of think that's next if you made me guess right now cues did you even watch the fight i didn't talk to you about this we didn't get a chance to chat yeah i watched it i, I also, I just want to, while we're on it, there was some sort of backstage altercation. I don't know if you guys caught that between like Jake Paul's dad and Nate Diaz. Yeah. So, like, you know, I heard varying Jake stories. Paul, yeah, yeah, I heard a few different things. It's kind of why, like, I don't know, you know, similar to, to you know, Chimaev and, and, and Habib's Luke team. Mark. They're just yelling at each other, like, who knows? And it's Nate Diaz. You see, I mean, Chris, Chris Avila was, was, doing his normal Chris Avila thing against Dr. Mike, you know, and then, I don't know. Which that was a whole other sad, sad, sad fight. Anyway, um, what about the actual fight? Did you have it I'm as close to I did? The correct man won the fight, and there's variance in how you may score one, you know, person to person, how they may score the rounds, but the correct person won the fight. I just don't go into these fights expecting anyone to beat him. And I don't want to get too dark or conspiracy-ish or, you know, underhanded about the whole thing. But I go into these fights every time expecting they'll carry it out. There will be some big moment that makes it clear and decisive who won. And, you know, he'll fight somebody that's twice his age. Dirty game. the uh, The next fight versus somebody twice his age. Who's got some name, you know, some 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 weight in his name. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not that, you know, all that into this in general. This whole Jake Paul cycle, if I'm being frank, um, it's a far too predictable to me. And like, if you were on the side that you would expect, which why wouldn't we be? I mean, it's Anderson Silva for Christ's sake. But you know, that of course that's a good bet at plus two hundred or whatever. You know. Um, I don't fault anybody for making that bet. It's just that in my heart of hearts, I never expected him to come away the winner. And I expected it kind of to play out like it did. 
Um, I don't know if that's a hot take or I not. I mean, so are you implying that it's, it's you know, we, we know the outcome before the fight starts? Because I, I personally think there's almost no chance of that. And I, and I don't – I also don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people who believe that it, it's rigged or to some degree. I – there's very little that anyone could say to convince me that it is. I, I just think people, especially in the – I mean, you got to understand, like, Woodley is a terrible – boxer and i think a lot of people really underestimate how bad some of these fighters are specific skill sets when they're having success in mixed martial arts it's like woodley threw like one strike a minute in the ufc and he goes to yeah. boxing that that's that's not that's not enough i mean he gassed out throwing one a minute in the ufc so it's like i, I don't love boxing in general and i don't love jake paul in general i think i just think the most of the fighters that Jake has faced thus far are just not that great at boxing. And I think Anderson probably is great, but he's 47 years old and, and less about it being rigged, but like we know that Jake dedicate is dedicating his life to this right now. Whereas Anderson, he may not care that much. He just may not care that much. And he's probably not trying that hard to, and he's getting a good paycheck out of it. So did he try to lose? I wouldn't go that far, but like is the, the lack of an effort um, playing a role here? Probably so. Not to mention Ben Askren and, you know, coming off surgery and the awful striker he already was like, it, it just, he's Jake Paul's smart. He's picking his fight. That's why, Nate Diaz call out to me. He's real smart. Fighting your like he's gonna that's why the the the, the Rockman fight that was never gonna happen. Never, never gonna happen. Like I I Yeah I don't I, I don't totally believe Rockman's version either, but that, that was never gonna happen that fight. I can't disagree with anything you guys just said. The my perspective is is just that as if I zoom out as a fan. No, it will not surprise me at all if we're carrying this on for three to five years and he's beating everybody in the same exact fashion, um, be it from a variety of factors of picking really good fights. So it's, it's a money machine and it's rolling and it's working. And I'm just like not that into it, kind of. That's all. It's fair. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 change subjects. Let's go to um, let's go back to, you know, I'm going to go to Staples here. We're going to talk about Habib first, then Connor, because. What podcast doesn't doesn't talk about Habib and Connor? We're not gonna talk about them together though. Just kind of the back-to-back topics they have lined up. Habib as a coach. I guess just you know, and, and it sparked when I saw, you know, he spent he reportedly spent a million dollars on Islam on Islam's camp to fight um Charles Oliveira. And that's a whole different thing, I think, because of Makashev's importance to um Habib's father and father's plan and all that. Like Habib was like, you're going to win this fight. I'll spend every dollar I have. You're going to win this fight. So, and I don't really specifically want to talk about that just more. I mean, we can, but I'm more thinking what is, is Habib going to be a great coach? Like, you know, Abubakar won his fight. And, you know, I think I said it on my breakdowns. It was like, if you built a stereotypical Russian fighter, it's Abubakar. You know, it's just nothing flashy. Just going to do a little bit, take down, like just, gonna grind you out how many of those guys are there where are they going like and i don't actually don't know the answer to this question 
Habib he doesn't have his own camp, right? I know he's got Eagle FC, which is you know his promotion. Is he still coaching out of AKA? Does he have his own camp somewhere? Do we expect him to start one? I think at some point there'll be an Eagle fight camp if there's not, and it could look silly if there already is, but I haven't seen anything like that. It would make sense he's going to have his own gym at some point, and do we expect a ton of people to go there? I'm not – I I tend to think yes, but I also tend to think that as fast as MMA evolves, like someone's going to figure out the way to beat this Nurmagomedov Madoff style. There's going to be a new thing, like, you know – you go through phases in MMA what the most dominant style is. And right now I think we're in, you know, Habib's style, and it really just his style, is clearly at the top. I'm not saying it's going to happen at any time soon, but I think we're going, you know, at some point we're going to transition past that I don't know what the new thing is because if I was that smart I wouldn't be sitting here. Um, but I, I think this, you know, you can find guys who can keep up the pace like Habib and Islam. Like that's going to be a rough style for a while. Where are these guys coming from? Do we have any more? Do you guys know any more? Is, is, anybody, is he training anybody else? I'm trying to figure out this new wave of Habib. And and just, I think the skill, you know, obviously the coaching skills are there. What is he going to do with them? Thoughts on where he goes from here? Anybody anybody want to take the lead on this one? I'll just make one comment that I thought it was really cool that he worked with Bilal. And I think that opens the door for any kind of possibility. And as far as I'm starting a camp, I, I would just say, like, where is the biggest, you know, that's the key factor. Where is he going to be training out of? Where is he going to be coaching out of? Um, I, I don't know what he worked on with Bilal specifically because that was a stand-up. I, mean, I guess it was just uh, the takedown defense, like, just stuffing Sean automatically. Like, it, it looked kind of flawless for him there. Whatever it was, I mean, you know, I'm sure it had some effect. Bilal looked incredible. And another guy I just keep underestimating. But that's the thing I'm excited about the most is like, um, which of these fighters, you know, is open to working with him slash is he open to working with to like kind of put their, you know, tie it all together, if you will. Does Bilal continue to work with Habib going forward? I mean, you know, I, I think that would be awesome to see. And as far as the next generation, I mean, you can coach up as many guys as you want, but guys like Islam are the perfect combination of strength, technical ability, ability to adapt and improve at a reasonable rate enough to elevate to where he has. I mean, his striking in and of itself is really impressive at this stage, I think. So um, not many of them come along every day, you know? Um, no, clear. But there's going to be other guys, top 15, top 10, but like even, and the first place I went when I started to look at this is, okay, who are the champions in Eagle FC? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys in some long win streaks with some styles that look real, real familiar. And, and then none of them, I don't, you know, Habib's not coaching any of them, obviously, but where did, that seems to be the natural progression. I don't think he's going to be just promoter. He's not going to come back. I think he's going to be a great coach, but how does he get off the ground? What, and it's really up to him, not how, oh my God, how's he going to do this? How is he going to choose to do it? And I can't predict what he's going to do. Brett, any thoughts on, on Habib? I mean, I think Habib's just the go. I, I think he's. I, I think he would be an, an amazing coach. I think he's already proven to be a very skillful coach. And the things you hear about him in the gym, just his insane work ethic. Like, there's a lot of really bad coaches out there, and I think that Habib would be among the very best, just in terms of his technical ability and his work ethic and fight intelligence. 
And I also think that we're probably not going to see like a new style come forward anytime soon because really in the past it was, you know, jujitsu. Jujitsu was the best style to have because most guys didn't know didn't know jujitsu. And now that everyone does know jujitsu, it's you want the additional dominant wrestling because if you're Islam Makachev and you can be the, the controlling fighter against a, a dominant submission grappler in Oliveira, while you're also as good or not or, or better at submission grappling than him, that's just such a massive advantage. And so, like, yeah, as far as like a new style, I mean, maybe we just see like the a lot of the Dagestani guys, I mean, they're they're training combat sambo. MMA from a very, very young age where like, you know, Americans they're wrestling to go to the NCAA championships where it's like, if we get young kids to start training MMA from a very young age, you get these guys like Bo Nickel, for example, who are, who are dominant wrestlers who like, let's say, for example, along with training wrestling his entire life had also been training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and striking then, you know, like it's just going to like every single aspect of the game elevates itself. So you, you're going to need to be an elite submission grappler to have a, a, a chance at the high level of the UFC. You're also going to need to have elite either offensive or defensive wrestling skills, if not both. And then like we saw with Markachev, he was a better striker than Oliveira too. I mean, that like I just I couldn't believe how many levels ahead he was of Oliveira ev- everywhere. So as far as Khabib as a coach, I don't know what he'll do, but like anything he does, I am interested in because he just works at like such a high level across the board. Uh, I just want to interject that I can think of one person who desperately needs to work with Khabib, Mackenzie Dern. Anyone? There you go. When, <laughs> couldn't be a bad thing. No, no. I mean, Mackenzie Dern is single again. Every every guy on Twitter shot their shot, and I'm not saying I'm married and not included in that. I'm just saying, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm going to go right from there though, because that was, that was <laughs> wild. Everyone's, I have Mackenzie's Darren's husband or, or maybe daddy's gone from all her, her IG and Twitter went insane. Deservedly so. But it was just like such a clear example of what Brett was just talking about. Like if you watch yes. that last we, fight, we did the fights to the ground. That was clearly, that'd be interesting. Get it there. All right. Yeah. All right let's talk Connor McGregor. Everybody's favorite. You know, I put out, you know, I think John Anik had retweeted one of Connor's, you know, typical thirst trap tweets. Like, ah, I'm ready for this fight coming back, so-and-so. I'm like, dude, we're all sick of this. Any hardcore fan I think is sick of this. And the John Jones thing. Like, who who cares? Like, until they're actually back, I'm done giving them my headspace as a hardcore MMA fan. The problem is the vast majority isn't you know it's all about the connors and the john jones and they're here for it so you start going okay what what are these psychos tweeting about and at least john jones in the usada pool i bring up connor mcgregor because we find out he's not even in the usada testing pool which means he's got to get in the pool and then we have six months from there he's been out a while with this leg injury. He hasn't looked the same since. He hasn't won a fight since, was it 2016, I believe? It, it, you know, it, it, it's somewhere in that range. I mean, I'm confused how he's still this popular and making money. Like, don't you have to win It's at some point? Like, the brash attitude and everything was great when you were winning. And it bought you some time. But it's just really, like, at, some, at what point do you guys think 
the casuals start to turn on McGregor the way I think most of us hardcores have? Like, at, at what point does this flip on him? Because I'm waiting for it, and I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, I definitely think they've already turned on him. It's just, it's just it, like, it's almost better that way for Connor. Like, if, if people want to watch you lose – like that's equally as good, if not better than people who want to watch you win. And I think Connor's got some issues going on. I mean, there's probably a reason he's not in the USADA pool. If you look at him, he's so jacked right now, but, um, it's yeah, yeah I, I don't know, but you know, I have mixed feelings. Cause I, I think Connor's like a really, really good fighter. And, you know, we talk about Khabib being so dominant. Connor put up probably the best performance out of almost anyone that Khabib fought in his entire career. And so it's like, I think Connor could come back and win fights, but is he going to be the champion of this division? Is he better than Islam Makhachev? Is he better than like the, 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 the best of the best? No. And does he have to be not in my opinion, but um, you know, he's not going to get, he's not at this point in his career, he's not going to get anything but title fights or like fights against Nate Diaz, for example, which I still think probably Nate Diaz three will happen. That would be an absolutely phenomenal draw would be probably one of the biggest fights in the history of the sport, despite him being out for so many years and not winning for so many years. I've kind of, um, you know, uh, grieved and gotten over the, the, the Connor being a, a day-to-day star and being an elite fighter. And so, I don't know what I want for him anymore. Um, I just, I, I, I worry, like he kind of, he kind of just looks, seems like he's not all there mentally, but I do expect we'll see him come back. And um, when do you think he's going to be back? If you had to predict, when do you think? Um, ne- next year. I mean, I, I guess he'll take a fight next year. And, and if not, like maybe he'll do a boxing fight. Like, and He'll probably do one or the, one or one of these occasionally every like year or two, and that's all he needs for the next five years to 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 make as much as ninety percent of other fighters make in their entire like careers almost. Could McGregor Diaz box on like a Jake Paul card? Could that be a thing we see? <laughs> probably not on the probably not on a Jake Paul card, but right. Nate's opening his own promotion, and you know uh, there are definitely level there are definitely venues that could happen outside of the ufc which i think they would both be down for at this point wild q's are you a huge mcgregor fan i've never been a mcgregor guy personally just not really i mean as a fan you know there are times where it was unavoidable that uh being a fan of his but you know the I just pulled it up. My favorite, uh, Bilal Muhammad recently said, rewatch the O'Malley Yan fight three times. And I think at the end of the day, Connor sucks and won't win another fight. And that's, that's sort of where I'm at with Connor at this point. Like I, I'm down for him fighting next year. I'm down from fighting two years from now. He's just not top of mind for me. He's always going to rake. He's always going to bring in tons of money. Um, and the Nate Diaz fight would be the one I would be most excited to watch, frankly. Um, I think that's probably like the chalk, right? Like, I think that's the one fight everyone would love to see again. I guess the last time Connor won a fight was against Cowboy, right? And that's like three or four years ago. That's the kind of name that you're going to see, you know, like someone of that caliber. And, you know, but as far as being the, the champion, I mean, you know. It's I a, mean, if he's ever going to be a champion again, probably Leon Edwards is the guy who's got the best chance against, probably, the top of either, either of the division. And I, I'm not saying he wins that fight. He definitely doesn't. But 
I mean, Kamara will just smother him. Could you imagine not if he had gotten that, gotten that Woodley fight when he was trying to be a, a three-weight champion? He, he would have destroyed Woodley. It's styles make fights. I'm saying of, of anybody up there, Edwards is probably the best bet, but oh kind yeah. of bigger. Thank you for having never defended any of your titles. Anytime one of your nut huggers come at me, I have an easy line. Is that are we are we beginning to hear how that Usman the potential that Usman Edwards rematch uh, card is taking shape? Like have we heard anything about fights? I think it's in the... January, right? Or is it not scheduled? No, but like I was more like oh, other yeah. fights in the card. No idea. Yeah, I'm I'm because I'm beginning to get really excited about that. Frankly, that's one I'm very eager to talk about. Molly McCann will be on the card. Uh, Patty Pimblett. Yeah, Patty Pimblett will be on the card. I mean, it'll be all the the British, the British fighters. I would probably are well, well, Molly's that. coming up. Molly's coming up at Madison Square Garden here. Um, yeah, so, she only needs like two weeks to, to rest and come back. No worries. Yeah, she's gonna throw a, she's gonna throw a spinning back elbow and a knockout. We can move on. Yeah. All right. So last week we gave um, love to the color commentators, or a little bit. And then we threw some shade too. But we talked about color, and I talked about the play by play guys because we had uh, coming out that the UFC re-signed both John Anik and um, and Brendan Fitz. How do you say his last name? Fitzsimmons, right? Fitz. Fitzgerald. 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 Oh, God, Fitzsimmons. I just call him Fitz. I get Fitz, and I was like, what the hell is the last name? Um, yeah, I'm going to call him B. Fitz the whole time now. Um, really good sign. You know what? When, when Fitzgerald first came on, I didn't like him at all as a, as a play-by-play guy. There's something he's awkward in terms of his delivery. I just didn't – it didn't flow at all. And I, I think, to his credit, he's gotten a lot, lot better – and I'm glad he's on the fight night cards. And we got Anik on pay-per-views. I think it's not stale. It kind of goes. There's so many. There are so many fight night cards. I almost. I'd like to see a third person get added. In terms of maybe somebody else doing contender series. And the occasional whatever the hell this card was. Like the really low tier cards. Because I think not everyone's going to be an Anik. Obviously you, you can't be. But I, I think they need to build these guys. And I think. Fitzgerald's a kind of proof of that. I think he's I, mean, I kind of just want to give a shout out. I think he's come a long way. And I, I like him as a play-by-play guy. Uh, thoughts on the current play-by-play status of the UFC? Uh, yeah. Whoever. Yeah, no, no strong opinion. I mean, I def obviously John Anik is an amazing commentator. Fitzgerald, I just think he didn't really know much about MMA when they hired him and like he didn't really understand jujitsu. And so they're like, you, here, you should probably start training jujitsu so you have an understanding of what an arm bar and a triangle is. And he's, they've made jokes about that. And he's, yeah, he's developed just fine. I mean, um, I'm, I'm glad to kind of get over the ear of the Joe Rogan anal- commentary because I, I love Joe Rogan in college and, and I like a lot of Joe Rogan, but you talk about effort, like he just doesn't put in the effort anymore. And, and I just think we need to, you know, move sort of into a new age of commentary with, 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 with guys like Anik and, and um, Fitzgerald are great. And I think Felder's great. I think Sanko's great. And there's, I enjoy some of the, some of the commentary from fighters as well. Um, I could do without the, you know, John Anik uh, uh, fighter throws a cross. Oh, like great cross from, from Joe Smith. But did you know that Joe Smith's aunt is suffering from pancreatic cancer unfortunately that's taken up his entire training kit you know Man, I do car that. you're like Ooh. 
Yeah, I could do without that sort of the 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 traditional Anna commentary, but no, he's he's, assume, a, he's a fantastic broadcaster. Assuming you didn't make it 15 minutes in last week, which is okay, we're gonna forgive you this time. Went through who our favorite color people were. Who's your number one? You don't get to do a whole ranking. Top color guy in the UFC right now. Um, or girl, commentator, Pasenko. I, I can't forget Senko. I mean, yeah, I'm really bad at rankings. Um, just number one. I mean, the the the, the 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 people that I just named. Like, I, I think like Paul Felder is very very good. Uh, he's I, my number one. Okay, there you go. And yeah, like Felder's- he's. Like he's someone who he has the fighter background and like, like, do I agree with everything that he says? No, but like, you can tell that like he, he's trying like really, really hard and he makes a lot of intelligent and like, um, you know, objective comments, which I like, as opposed to on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy like Dominic Cruz, who, uh, who I, who I liked when he first started commentary, but now like 90% of the things Cruz says, I'm like, you couldn't have done any tape tape analysis for this fight. This doesn't make any sense in the world. Felder's great. Like I said, uh, Laura Sanko's really good too. And, and I, I, you know, I enjoy Bisping. Like he's fine. And, um, Except for whenever was a British fighter, he was going nuts over Arnold, Arnold Allen last night. <laughs> he, I also thought it was hilarious when he was talking about the, the big Waldo that was cracking me up. He's like, where is the big Waldo? And they're like, all right, Bisping, like chill. But that, yeah, that, that made me laugh. And then Dad Cruz jokes. was like, they're, they're, they're telling me not to say that they're telling me to quit the big Waldo thing. So <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. not going to do it though. Excuse what you think of, of Anik and uh, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's great. He's shown like real improvement. It seems like he's really on top of his game. I mean, I completely agree with your take that they should keep adding intelligently um, people to the pool from the, um, perspective of like the Cruz Felder Bisping you know I'm a huge Paul Felder fan I think every time he calls a fight it's clear that like he knows what the F he's talking about and love the way he breaks it down and also you know there's such a wide range of perspectives that all of these fighters have they know certain fighters they've trained with certain fighters Um, the way Felder called the Bilal Brady fight um, like I found that really engaging like uh, you know him's like oh my heart's beating out of my chest i've worked personally with both of these guys and i was hanging on to any word that he could offer about the fight so and felder's a philly guy i have tons of bias there but regardless of course uh, you got to go to the philly guy yeah do it. all right last topic for today um we had that bellator Ryzen new year's eve cards maybe a combo card now we got four fights announced i was gonna pull that up real quick and forgive me with these names, you know, you know, just look at them. These are actually people listening. <laughs> Ogi Kubo and Horiguchi. We got Kim and Archuleta. Souza versus AJ McKee. And um, I can't say Kieber's last name. I never have been able to say Kieber. Kiyoki and Patricio Pitbull. So basically, I mean, we could have Bellator guys against Ryzen guys in this card. Ryzen's got the big New Year's Eve card every year. Um Tradition I like, and this is an interesting spin on it because I've actually, how you guys feel, I've, I've felt like that Bellator especially has been losing steam, like at least in my mind. There was a while they were getting up there and kind of making progress, probably when Michael Chandler was over there. Like, it was a couple of years, but I feel like we've had a couple of years where I've lost some interest in Bellator, and that's really not like me. And Ryzen is always, for me, always just kind of one, two cards a year. I'm, 
good idea. What do you guys think of the idea? I love I love it. And then are we going to see more promotions start to do this? Like, are we going to see um, one get in on, on the act? Like, is this kind of the future of – are we going to see some consolidation to compete with the UFC? Uh, Q's, we'll go with you for this one. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been losing interest in Bellator. There was a time that I was watching every single Bellator card. Um, there was a time that if there was a card to be watched, I wouldn't miss it. Um, as of late, I've just – the product itself, like I'm just not as into it. Takes a lot of time to get through all the fights. You're kind of waiting around a bit. Um, so, you know, ultimately, like as far as this, I haven't gotten into excitement for this package yet for New Year's Eve. I got to kind of dig deep and see, like, is that something that I'll be watching or just carrying on living my life on New Year's Eve before my wife divorces me? Um, so but, you're, you know, you're, you're still young. You don't have kids yet. Like, um, we're done by 9.30. It's a normal night. It's not fucking exciting anymore. <laughs> like, Man. It's, just, it's not a thing. Imagine we're out. Hold on. I got to go in the other room and, uh, you know, pull up the stream on. Uh, Don't do that. Comey. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't, that's really all I have to offer. I mean, like you know, I, I would like to look at kind of the breakdown of the court, like who's who's fighting stuff, but I haven't gotten that into it yet. As far as Bellator goes, though, I'm kind of eager to be sucked back into Bellator, and it just hasn't happened for me as of recent. So we need DFS for it, and then I'm in for, it, and then I'm in. Hundred percent. That's the no brainer. You know, the problem is everybody would be priced at ninety eight hundred. <laughs> just <laughs> you'd have to do something different. Attention. Yeah. You'd have to do a different mold for scoring, for sure. I don't even know. Brett, your thoughts on this card? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily know that I'll be watching this card, but I love the idea of cross-promotion. I mean, I love the idea of tournaments, too. That's one thing that I think Bellator gets right, and I, I think the the you know just the, the possibilities are endless with different promotions obviously the ufc isn't going to cross promote with anyone because they don't want to risk their fighters losing which they could but like there's no reason for bellator and ryzen and one or whoever to not cross promote because it, it adds more eyes everywhere and i think one of the reasons why i've watched less and less bellator is because i think pfl is just a better product like it's, great it's um and it's not perfect but it's on i mean it's on espn on, on a normal time and and they have you know standings and they have the the in-fight metrics that i like and actually decent fighters and you know you can get behind the one million dollar like champion so i think pfl is a way better uh a way better product and i would bet on them to take more of the market in the long run but as far as the the idea of cross promotion i think it's it's great and i think it's uh, a good move for Bellator, despite the fact that I probably won't be watching it live. I mean, your wife's not let you, you know, midnight be like, hang on, honey, 10, 9. Oh, look, AJ McKee's. <laughs> she, she would, but uh, I, yeah, I probably will be doing other things uh, with my time. And also, what time? I mean, is it is it midnight I don't even Pacific know. or is it Eastern I or is it? Asian you know, time? I don't know. Oh, man. I, I, we went on to vacation. We went to vacation to Hawaii a few weeks ago, and I learned my wife in time zones. It's like kryptonite. It was the funniest thing. She could not, for the life of her, figure out what time it was home in New York versus a friend in California, and then we were flying back. It was like algebra. It was great to watch. It's great. Nice. All right, guys. That's what we got for this episode. Thanks to RBQs joining me again. I guess you see him more and more. Him and Mike are gonna. Kind of pop on, rotate, and but a big thanks to um, special guest Brett Apley. Brett, anything you want to plug, mention, any of that stuff? 
Fire away. No, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, Brett Appley, double T, double P. Yeah, all double the work. T, double P. Double How T, many times have you said that? enough to where i don't think about it anymore same with like the introduction like you know people will make fun of me a lot of how i introduce pods or whatever it's like completely like blind like blindly speak uh, speaking at this point like i don't it just it's rattled off which is which is a good thing and i guess if people have heard it enough times they know what to expect so yeah Brett Apple double t able p daily for any additional breakdowns um you want but yeah appreciate uh, you having me on the show it's good to talk to you sean and, and you too Q's. Great to meet you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very, very, very much. Make sure you follow both these guys, and I'll catch you next time in the Shadow Realm. Take care.